So thank you for being with us today. And I want you to go be turning in your Bibles to Mark chapter 2. I purposely searched this script, uh, this picture out because it's of some crocuses. I think that's what you call those, aren't they? Right? Crocuses poking their way up through the snow. How many can say amen to that this morning? Aren't you glad there's no ice this morning? You know, I, you know, I, I'm not real happy about mud. My mud was getting dehydrated and it looked like it comes some heavy rains last night. And so our mud now is well, uh, uh, hydrated and flowing again. But, uh, but I'm so glad that spring is on the way and I hope that you are too. Uh, again, I want to remind you, fill out those connect cards if you're a first timer with us or you haven't been here in a long time. Turn them in after worship service and we have, uh, at the Connect Center, we have a special gift for you. Also, you may, may notice, we, uh, we, there's something that's very religious that we have failed to do to point. We have failed to receive an offering. And that's one of the most religious things that most churches do is receive offering. And, uh, but we will receive offering as you go out the door. There will be ushers there, uh, waiting on you, uh, and give however you feel led to give today. And it is greatly appreciated. So as we go into the scripture this morning, if you're at Mark chapter two, I want to go to verse number one. And we're reading a story, and of course this is about Jesus. It's not really a story. Uh, my mama wouldn't let me use the word, my sister or myself, we couldn't use the word lie. We didn't call say somebody told a lie. We didn't call anybody a liar. To my mother, that was a curse word. I, I did use it on occasion. And by using it on occasion, I found out what zest soap tastes like. And that's no joke. Because... Mama I always kept a little bit of zest soap on the kitchen sink. And I can remember one time I said, somebody, I said, they're a liar. And next thing I knew, I had that blue piece of soap in my mouth. You know, and consider my mama bad if you want to, but I think I turned out fairly good. And Sarah may argue with that. But anyway, this is not a story. It's, it's an account. It's an account. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, The people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man. I duplicated that, sorry. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it. By digging through it. Now understand with me, that there wasn't tin, there wasn't asphalt shingles or anything like that. It was thatched roofs. And thatched roofs, if you ever studied that, it, it's made up of like straw or hay or leaves or something like that. And uh, oftentimes animal waste, actually, uh, feces and uh, and mud and things like that. And, and it, but, but it's not just a thin layer. It's really thick and it becomes hard and very crusty. And they dug through all of that mess, if you would. And then they lowered the mat that the man was lying on. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. 
Now, I want to, I want to introduce this message to you tonight, or this morning, thinking about the uh, most renowned gospel sermon that's ever been preached in the world. Was it Billy Graham? Charles Stanley? Oral Roberts? Me? No, not hardly. But the most renowned sermon of all time was preached by Jesus himself. It was an outdoor service that took place on the northern shore of the Sea of Galilee. And, and this message we find recorded in Matthew 5 and Matthew 6. And it is what we know or we refer to as the Sermon on the Mount. And when you go to that location, and Sarah and I have been blessed to, to be there, and I actually uh, had the opportunity to do our daily Bible study in that location. And, and you, you stand upon this mount, is actually just a small hill, and, and there's a slope that goes down to the Sea of Galilee, and, and people gathered from all around the region to hear Jesus preach and teach, if you would. Jesus introduced this remarkable message that we call the Sermon on the Mount with eight declarations of blessing. The blessings, the word blessing, uh, it comes from, uh, the English language or if you would the Hebrew, but in the Latin Vulgate, it was used, the word beti was used, which is synonymous with happy, rich, or blessed. And in the English language, in our scripture, we refer to it as the Beatitudes. So when you begin to look at the early, the introduction of the Sermon of the Mount, you find there the Beatitudes. Some of you all know what I'm talking about, I think. Uh, the Beatitudes, uh, uh, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Eight different blessings are declared by Jesus in that early portion of the Sermon on the Mount. Each of these Beatitudes contain a dual focus, if you would. They, 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 they pertain or they deliver to us a condition and as, they, as it identifies the condition, it also follows the result. Again, I'll say to you, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek. For they will inherit the earth. So, so with, with every every circumstance we see, we see a condition, and most of the time that condition is considered maybe negative, if you would, but it is it is followed by positive results, if you see. So, I'm certainly not qualified to critique Jesus's preaching. Okay, uh, oftentimes I ask my wife to look over a message of mine just to see what she thinks because she's better at it than I am. I'm not able to critique Jesus' preaching, but I do believe there is much to be learned from the principle that is set forth in the Beatitudes. That circumstance being uh, the blessing created, if you would. So, so I, I think as the Beatitudes were given, actually we consider... For the most part, it's considered there's eight Beatitudes. Some biblical scholars consider there was nine and possibly even ten Beatitudes. But for the sake of uh, of common preaching, you know, we're going to say there are eight this morning. But in that, there are other Beatitudes or blessings to be had in life if we will search them out. You know, we can't limit the blessings of the Lord Jesus Christ to just the eight that He gave forth as He began. 
begin preaching the Sermon on the Mount. So today I want to give you another beatitude, another blessing that is based on a condition. And that that blessing that is based on the condition is following the condition of being desperate. And I've titled this message, Blessed Are the Desperate. Blessed are the desperate. Now, as we begin to search out that word desperation is where desperate, it is, desperate is the origin, it's the root word. Desperation means the presence of being desperate, if you would. We find in the dictionary that it is actually a state of despair, typically which results in rash or extreme behavior. That's what Meaning desperate is. I tell my wife all the time. She had been alone for 12 years since she met me. I said, you married me because you were desperate. She, she made, she made a rash decision and acted with extreme behavior. You know, when she got me. She's gonna get me later because she doesn't really feel that way. I just tell her that that all the time just because I love to pick at my wife. But, but it's rash or extreme behavior. We all have these occasions in our life. It causes us to make bad financial decisions. It can cause us to make bad relationship decisions. It causes us to, to, uh, to make bad job decisions. It causes us to, 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 I could just go on and on and on. You get the drift, don't you? You know, when, when, when we become desperate or even if we're not really desperate, when we feel desperate. Because you see, des- desperation actually is just as much as an emotion as it is a reality. And we begin to feel desperate and we, you know, I, I, I've been desperate. But I got so desperate one time for a vehicle, I bought a Ford. But the Lord forgave me. And I had to forgive myself. It took me a few years, but I did. But desperation. So when does desperation occur? It occurs in that moment that we realize a particular circumstance is out of our control. When we begin to feel out of control, when when we've lost our grip, when, when, when we no longer, you know, you know, uh, my, Sarah picks at me quite a bit. The other day, I was really, really, I was really exhausted. I was really tired and we were heading out somewhere and I was just talking about how tired I was. She said, do you want me to drive? I said, no. You know, I, you know, I, I'm not opposed to riding along with somebody. You know, I, 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 in fact, I will ride along with most anybody. He's not here this morning. He may watch this later. But I got in uh, Kerry's slingshot with him and rode all the way up through Bland and Tazewell County last year. I'll ride with anybody. But it doesn't mean I like it, okay? If I'm in the car, my preference is to have hold of the wheel. That old song that was out a few years ago, Jesus take the wheel, that's fine. Jesus, you take the wheel, but I want to have first shot at it, okay? But sometimes we feel out of control. We, we, sometimes things are out of control and we begin to, to, to feel like circumstances are out of our capability. They're beyond our capabilities. And what happens is we begin to look at desperate And we consider desperation or being desperate as having negative connotations. 
And that's true in the fleshly realm. Because desperation will bring us nothing more than havoc, frustration, and the like of. Desperation, desperation will make us miserable. Desperation will make us broken. Desperation, desperation again causes us, and I, I don't, I just feel the need to focus on, desperation will cause us to really make bad decisions. But then, there's a positive side to being desperate. That is, when we become desperate in the Holy Ghost. When we, we become desperate in the power of the Lord. You see, because what I'm speaking about is a divine arena. And then this divine arena, being desperate, can be one of the most positive things that can ever occur in your life or in my life. Because when we become spiritually desperate, we are setting the stage, if you would, for another testimony to be in the making. When we become desperate for the things of God, when we become desperate for God to 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 move in and and take charge of the circumstance, when we when we when we become desperate, where there's no other place to go, there's no other way to turn, there's no there's nobody nobody else we can turn to. When we become desperate like that, and we run to the cross of Calvary, and we flee, and we cry out, and we throw everything at the feet of Jesus, it's just another opportunity for Him to show up and show off in our life. And then we can say, look what the Lord has done. He healed my body. He's touched my soul. He has changed my circumstance completely. He has made me whole. And see, we become desperate. We seek the Lord. And we become desperate for our own selves. We can become a few times that we become desperate for our own selves and, and, and we, it, it, and we look at it again as a negative. But, but if we could again see it with spiritual eyes, maybe we could see that, that what we think is a negative, what we think is a hardship, what we think is a trial, and it really is, but what we look at and, and we consider it discouraging and downpressing and, and we're downtrodden and all of that. Well listen, when we begin to, we begin to feel desperate physically, we need that physical healing. We need that touch. Our heart is giving out. Our diabetes is not, it won't, won't stay intact. Uh, you know, everything's going. We're worried about COVID. Maybe we've had COVID. Maybe, like, thank God Dana's back there this morning. She went through a long, hard battle with COVID. But when we begin to feel desperate, if we will react accordingly in the Spirit, and we will begin to seek the face of God, and healing comes into our life, we can test we can say again, look what the Lord has done. He healed my body. He touched my mind. He come along just in time. Listen, when we are desperate, it brings us to a special place. We can become desperate in our finances. And I'm not, I'm not trying to jump into the political arena this morning, but we all know that, that there's a lot of things changing right now all around us. They, it is changing daily. There, there, there are, there are, has been some places that have already closed down. We're in fear of, because of governmental decisions that are being made, that the, the lifeblood, the industry, the coal industry, uh, that keeps this area alive and going and, and has, as much as it has went up and it's went down and it's struggled, it's 
still hanging on. But 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 we we worry because we don't know what's going to happen. And, and quite frankly, we can't fix it in ourselves. We can't change it in ourselves. But what we can do is cry out to God in desperation and say, God, you know, I need my home. I need my job. I, I need my family to be taken care of. God, you know my needs. You know I can't control this. I can't control what goes on five hours up the road in Washington, D.C. But God, I give it to you. Out of desperation, I release it to you. I'm not going to worry about this anymore. I'm not going to fret about it anymore. But I'm going to release it to you and allow you to take care of the situation. And then I've already mentioned the relational thing. You see, but and relational can be both a spiritual and physical thing. I, I'm just gonna, I don't I don't pre, I don't want you to raise your hands. I don't want you to raise your hands. But I want to speak to the those of you in this room this morning. Now I pick at Lizzie back there all the time about trying to get her married. I pick at Claudette every once in a while about I, I tell tell her I've signed her up for coalminers.com dating website. You know, but 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 let me say let me say this right. Let me say this to you this morning, and I I felt this really strong in my spirit. Those of you that don't have a physical relationship, you don't have a significant other, you don't have a husband, you don't have a wife, you don't have a boyfriend, you don't have a girlfriend in in your life right now. Don't give up, but don't get desperate. You... Sister Sarah remained, she remained by alone for 12 years. And, and, and in that 12 years, she will tell you, if you ask her, uh, you know, it's hard for me to believe that I'm who, I, I'm the one that, that, that fit the bill. But she said, she said, I was, she said, I refuse to accept anything less than God had for me in 12 years. So if, if you're looking for a relationship, if you're searching for a relationship, let me tell you this. Don't you give up until God, God's got a plan for you. God's got a time for you. God's got a purpose for you. And God's got a person for you. And if you get desperate and you handle the desperation on your own, nine times out of ten, and that's just out of the hat, nine times out of the ten, you are going to mess up and you probably are going to regret your decision. You make it a God decision. You let it be a God moment in your life. You let God seek seek out and work out everything in your life. In fact, when we read Romans 8 and 28, what Paul wrote to the church, he says he works all things together for the good to them that love the Lord and are called according to your purpose. If you're in love with Jesus, he's going to work out everything for you and he will send you. This is not Valentine's Day, I realize that. But he will send you your Valentine. By handle desperation in the right way. Handle desperation in the right way. You see, when we read the scripture this morning, the text we took, we see people, as we become desperate, spiritually desperate, our spiritual desperation should drive us or push us into things that we've never done with and for and in the pursuit of God before. For these guys that we read about in the text this morning, they get their buddy together and they put him on a mat. 
That mat was probably woven straw or something like that. It probably had a rope on each corner. And these four dudes, they get him over there to the house. And, and we've been to that house. It wasn't really a really big house. It was sort of a round house. And, 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 and it had that real heavy thatched roof on it. And I'm sure it's been restored through the thousands of years. But, but anyway, but, but it was so crowded in that courtyard. They couldn't even get their bud to, into the yard. They couldn't even get him through the front gate. So they said, okay, what we don't want to do, we're desperate. This guy's paralyzed. He's our friend. He's our buddy. We're desperate to get him some help. And so they decide, somebody comes up with the notion, they said, uh, well, maybe, maybe we could do some kind of distraction. Maybe, maybe we could, maybe we could, uh, maybe we need to run a team of camels by. Maybe we need to, uh, run a herd of sheep by and distract everybody and then we could run in real quickly. Nah, that ain't gonna work. And then suddenly, I, I can just imagine this with my imagination that one of them says, hey, I got a good idea. Why don't we just tear the roof off? Tear the roof off. Yeah, let's just tear the roof off. We know there ain't nobody else coming in that way. And they, and they, they proceed to grab hold of that idea and they begin to tear the roof apart on that little house. And as they dig through the, the mud and the dust and the straw and the leaves and the, maybe even a few rosebush briars and anything else it could have been used to thatch that roof with, they dig through and then they let their buddy down and that man, I can see, I can see Jesus sitting in there just teaching and preaching and all of a sudden he looks around and there there comes some dude drifting down from the ceiling on a mat. And, 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 hey, it didn't upset him. He just looks at him and he says, your faith, your faith has set you free. I've, I've, I've honored your faith. And, and that paralyzed man was healed. But, but let me say, share this with you. It wasn't just, it, in, in fact, it probably wasn't as much the faith of the paralyzed man as it was the faith of the four men that had a hold of the four corners of the mat, the four men that dug through the thatch on the roof, and the four men that stood up on that roof and lowered him down with those ropes. But, uh, but, but nonetheless, it all came through a moment of Desperation. Desperation is what had brought a sick lady crawling, scratching, clawing through a crowd of people to reach up and touch the hem of Jesus' garment. It's desperation that brought a short man, Zacchaeus, thank God for short men, for, for Zacchaeus to climb a tree and then Jesus said, I'm going over to eat at your house today. You see, it was desperation that had Peter to hop out of a perfectly good boat to go walking on the water. Desperation can be negative to us, but desperation Desperation can also be a positive if we will allow it to drive us into the presence and the will of God. So blessed are the desperate. Blessed are the desperate. Blessed are the desperate because the desperate, the ones that press in to God, the ones that seek God, they pursue Him in prayer. They pursue Him in fasting. They pursue Him in the Word. They pursue Him in worship. Blessed are the desperate, for they are the ones to get healed. See, Jesus didn't give that beatitude. And again, I'm not trying to critique His message by any means. But it's easy to take that principle of the beatitudes and apply it here. Blessed are the desperate, 
Because they're the ones to get healed. Blessed are the desperate because they're the ones that will receive financial breakthrough. Blessed are the desperate for they are the ones to experience renewed relationship, whether that's physically or spiritually. So when we become desperate, we can see our needs met. When we become desperate and we press into the, press into that realm of God and we, and we place ourselves at the feet of Jesus. When we become desperate instead of reacting in our own means, by our own wishes, by our own thoughts, with our own logic, if we will begin to press into Jesus, then we will find that Jesus will minister to our needs and we will have the circumstance, but not only will we have the circumstance, but there will be a blessing such as the Beatitudes that will follow the circumstance because we have pressed in in the moment of desperation but then there's a desperation that goes far beyond you and me our own needs never really seem to lack in influence when it comes to driving us to our knees tragedy will cause you and I to pray personal tragedy you go get a Grim diagnosis from your doctor, it's going to drive you to your knees. It's more likely it's going to drive you to pray. You lose your job, you walk in tomorrow and they say, we're closing door shop Friday, pick your check up on the way out. It's been nice to know you. It's going to drive you to praying for yourself. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying that at all. And in fact, in fact, you know, our, our trials make us strong. Our, the troubles that we go through cause us to, to, to grow, hopefully cause us to grow in our faith. But, but, is there a desperation beyond ourselves? Is there, do we have a desperation, not only for our needs, but do we have a desperation for the needs of others? That's what I'm saying to you. Do we have a desperation that is going to drive us to that same cross, to the foot of the cross, to, to Jesus? Do we have a desperation for the needs of others? Because here's what happens. We, we must guard our hearts as followers of Jesus. We must guard our hearts against the spirit of Cain. Because you see, it was Cain that, uh, you know, Cain, when, when God asked, uh, hey Cain, where's Abel at? Where's your brother at? Cain responded, uh, how should I know? Am I my brother's keeper? It's not my job to take care of him, man. And, and you know, we live in a society right now that, that, that is very independent and in some ways, in some ways society very much so we have become a very introverted society. Why here's one of the largest causes of that. You know, we, we know everything about everybody but yet we don't know anybody. And that's, let me plug this right here. This wasn't in my message. But that's one more reason that you need to be in a fellowship. You need to be in a church. Because this right here will never substitute, or on an iPad, whatever you want, it will never substitute for being in the assembly in the presence of God's people. Am I my brother's keeper? He said. But what we have to do is guard our hearts against that. You know, it's time this morning, and and I, I I feel like the Holy Spirit would have me say this morning, it's time for us, it's time for the church that we begin to become desperate for the world. 
We need to become desperate. You, you know, uh, uh, we talk, maybe you're taught, maybe you've talked quite a bit about how, and I, you know, I hear the stories. I didn't grow up here, but I hear the stories and I see the pictures. I've got that book that's out about, uh, you know, McDowell and Mercer County and I, I don't know what, maybe Raleigh County's in it and uh, about all the history down through the years and you see how Welch was one time a booming city and, and, and Bramwell was one time, you know, it was the town of millionaires and you see, and, but, but did we ever become desperate for the place that we live? Did we ever become desperate for Mercer County or Tazewell County or Bland County or Wythe County or, or Raleigh County, wherever you may be from? Did we ever become desperate for the United States of America? Did we ever become desperate for the world? Have we ever become so desperate that we that it's driven driven us to our knees and we're beginning to cry, cry out to God and, and asking God to help us? Help us. Help us. Lord, we are in a place of desperation and we need you to move because blessed are the desperate. Blessed are the desperate. You realize that the church, we are called to be salt and light in the earth. The Bible says, but if the salt has lost its favor, that means if the salt has lost its saltiness, it's no longer any good. Listen, if we lose our desperation for the salvation of the world, if we lose our desperation for the salvation of the universe, United States of America, if we lose our desperation for West Virginia, if we lose our desperation for Mercer County, Tazewell County, Wythe County, Smith County, Bland County, Raleigh County, if we lose our desperation for our sons and our daughters and our wives and our husbands, somebody's going to leave this world lost. We need to be desperate for a world that's on their way to hell. We need to be desperate for people that are wandering around lost in the wilderness without God. Are we desperate this morning? You see, that responsibility belongs to us, the church. We're called to be salt and light. And I'm not talking about voice of praise only. We're just, we're just a small part of the entire body of Christ. But as the church, the church as a whole. But it, and we can say as us at Voice of Praise Worship Center, are we to the point where we're ready to tear a roof off to get somebody healed? Are, are we at the point that we're willing to dig and scratch and claw and push our way through the crowd to help some poor woman that's nearly bled out and she spent every dime of money that she has? She's knocking on the door of death. Are we willing, are we willing to press through the crowds, not, not merely of people, but crowds of propaganda and ungodliness that's all around us in the world that inhabit us, ungodly voices? I'm going to go ahead and say this, share this with you. And it's okay. Don't feel sorry for me. I'm not asking you to feel sorry for me. But I had a lady, I had a, a person, I shouldn't even say a lady, but I, I had a person uh, uh, in recent days that, that, that painted me out to be a fascist. And she said I was a hater. Because I shared that you needed to contact your United States Senator and stand in opposition, have him to stand in opposition of... This bill that's coming forth. 
because it's important that the rights of the church be protected as much as it is as anybody else. And, and, and I, I received some rough criticism and, and, and it was spread around quite a bit. But you know what? I've got to keep pressing on. I've got to keep pressing in. I got, we, we, we have to be desperate. Listen, we're, we're, we're in a world, we're living in a world right now, people, that's in trouble and, and some of them don't even know it. In fact, most of them don't even know it. And if we don't do something to help them, they're going to end up in even worse trouble. I had a fellow a few weeks ago. He said, you know what? He said, I believe in God. I believe in being saved by Jesus Christ. He said, I believe in going to heaven. He said, but I don't believe that. He said, I don't believe a loving God would put somebody in hell to burn for eternity. He don't, but people choose. People choose. And in a world that's full of trouble, in a world that's filled with chaos, in a world that seems sometimes like the church, the church, Christian people are some of the, are some of the most hated people outside of the Jews. Maybe with Christianity is the most hated group of people in the world right now. I don't know. I'm just guessing. But here's the thing about it. But even in all of that, we become desperate and we push in. I've heard a story of a pastor friend of ours that and I'm not going to call his name this morning, but he pastors up here in McDowell County. And the story, the story has it that he was, he was trying to win this man to Jesus. And as he was trying to win this man to Jesus, he had went to his home to see it. That man, that man in a rage, he threw him out of the house and he spit in the pastor's face. Literally spit in his face. It wasn't too long after that, maybe maybe a few weeks, maybe a few months, that that man was in a terrible accident and he ended up up in Charleston in the hospital. And that man's family called for this pastor. They said, we need you to come. So-and-so has been in a horrible, horrible accident. Being the good pastor that this fellow is, And he doesn't carry a lot of education. He doesn't carry a lot of training. But he loves people. And he loves God. Being the man of God he is, he had to get somebody because uh, he didn't have a way to drive to Charleston. And someone else drives him to Charleston. And he walks in that bed where that man was comatose and on life support. And he lays himself across that man physically lays his body across that man's body and he began to cry, Oh Lord, save his soul. Oh Lord, raise him up. Don't let him die lost, Lord. The man that had spit in his face. The man that had thrown him out of his house. Oh God, lift him up. Raise him up. To fast forward, the Lord spared that man's life. And that man raised up. And that man gave his heart to the Lord. And that man found himself seated in the Lord's house. 
You see, when we become desperate, even when somebody has spit on us, even the, and, and I know none of us like to be abused. None of us, none of us like to be misused. None of us like to be mistreated. And I, I'm not saying that we should just be comfortable with that. But what I am saying to you, when we become desperate, when we become desperate, it'll cause us to climb that tree. It, it'll cause us to hop out of that boat. It'll cause us to dig and scratch and scrape our way through a crowd, even if they're spitting on us, kicking us, and When we become desperate for a world that is lost, let me tell you something. If you don't believe it's necessary, Jesus, if you would, pardon me for expressing it this way, but God was so desperate to save His creation, so desperate to save the world, that He gave His only, one and only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, that He would be born of a virgin, He would be ridiculed, He would be mocked, He would be scorned, He would be beat, one stripe to the point of death was all Jesus and then he would be nailed to a cross. That's how desperate God was for the world. And that's how desperate that you and I should be for the lost. That's all around us right now. So we become desperate beyond comfort. We become desperate beyond reputation. We become desperate beyond tradition. We become desperate beyond our emotion. We become desperate beyond reason. We become desperate beyond family and camaraderie. We become desperate enough to risk ridicule and we become desperate enough to risk failure. And bottom line, if we haven't risked anything, we really haven't become desperate. Some of you all, no doubt, have retirement invested. Some of you all may play the stock market a little bit. I don't know. That's 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 great. I'm glad you're blessed, and I I hope it does well for you. But you know, there's risk. You know, low risk, low yield in finances, in investment finances. High risk, high yield. The bigger risk you're willing to take, the more money you could possibly take. We hear so much about the risk in, in this past year of all the, the COVID pandemic. We hear so much talk about risk and this and that and the other. But risks are real. You took a risk driving here this morning. You got in your car. Somebody could have ran around in one of these sharp curves in this part of the country, been on your side of the road, and you've never made it to church. You took a risk. Some of you took risk in various other ways. And we do so even unknowingly. But if we haven't risked anything for the kingdom of God, then we probably are not desperate. But when we begin to risk things in the kingdom of God, we will find that we begin to pray through. I read about some boys in the scripture and some boys that were in jail. And as they were locked up in jail, there was another group of their friends over a house that some gal named Rhoda 
And they were all in there praying. They all were in there praying, praying, praying. The jail swung open. Somebody walked out. They took the risk. They took the risk of being heard, crying and praying in the night. In the Old Testament, we read a story about this guy that he, uh, uh, the, the king, he, the king got caught up in himself a bit and, and, and the king, uh, he says, uh, he said, you know, no, nobody, nobody's to bow except to me. And, and this guy, he throws the windows of his, of his house open and he prays three times a day. He took a risk. I mentioned Peter earlier. Peter, Peter knew. Peter was a smart, smart guy. Peter's job was living on the water. Peter understood the water. Peter knew that water was liquid. That it wasn't solid. But when, when Jesus said, come to me, Peter hopped out of the boat. He was willing to take a risk. You say, yeah, but he sunk. Maybe so. But he's the only one that ever got to walk on water. He took the risk. You see, you and I, this morning, I'm urging us to be risk takers. Take the risk of praying until you've prayed through. Pray, take the risk of praying into intercessory prayer. Take the risk uh, of grasping hold of God. Take the risk that, 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 that we can change the circumstances of the world. Take, take, take the risk that we can, we can pray prayers of faith and see people healed. Pray, pray, take the risk that, that we can see blinded eyes open and deaf ears unstopped and, and, and muted tongues begin to speak. Take, take the risk that, that, that that coal mines won't shut down anymore. Take the risk that, that your neighbor, as mean and honorary as they are, your neighbor is going to be saved. Take the risk that even your in-laws are going to get saved, as aggravating as they are. Take the risk. Take the risk. But you don't have to get desperate to take the risk. And if you're truly desperate, the risk will follow. And if you're truly desperate, the blessing will soon come thereafter. So blessed are the desperate. Blessed are the desperate. Because the desperate are the ones that are going to change the circumstances through and by the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you just to bow your heads with me just a moment. In this room, a great Sunday morning crowd during this COVID time. And no doubt, in this room this morning, there's many various circumstances in your lives. And as there's circumstances in your lives and needs in your lives, they're all equally important. To each individual. If you're in this room this morning. And you're unsaved. You don't know Jesus in a personal relationship. The greatest need that you have in your life is the need of a savior. The job may be important. The relationship may be important. Uh, you know the health may be. You know all of those things are important. 
But there's nothing as important in your life as a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I hope and I pray as you're sitting in this room this morning or those of you that are home watching or driving down the road and you're watching live stream this morning or you're listening to internet radio this morning. If you're not saved, I hope that you're desperate. I hope that you're desperate to get your heart, your life in order with the Lord Jesus Christ. Because I mentioned earlier, there is a heaven. But there is a hell that burns for eternity. Where the worm dieth not. And you, the decision is before you. Are you desperate enough to call out on Jesus and say, Lord, save me? So before we move into the other points of desperation... I want to ask you this question. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed in this room. If you're in this room and you know you're in need of a Savior today, maybe you've been, maybe you've known the Lord, but you've wandered far, far away from home. You're a prodigal. You can come on back today. Are you desperate enough to do something about it? I'm not going to embarrass you. I don't do that. That's not my way. That's not my doings. But if you're in this room and you need to seek Jesus, You need to establish a right relationship with Him. Or renew your relationship with Him. Would you just slip up your hand real quickly. Pastor, would you pray for me today? Anybody in this room? Awesome. Awesome. Everybody in this room, based on the lack of response, and that's great, you know the Lord. For those of you that are watching, Stream, if you don't know the Lord, call on Him right now. Ask Him to forgive you of your sins. Come into your heart and your life. Believe upon Him. Declare Him as Lord as your life. And according to Scripture, you shall be saved. So commit to that today. But I want to give attention back to those that are sitting in the room this morning. I want you to look at me right now. You're sitting in this room. And you've got circumstances in your life that you're feeling desperate about. Are you desperate enough? Are you desperate enough to get a hold of God this morning? Are you desperate enough to press in? And let me let me say this to you. Let me clarify this. It takes more than just coming up here for for maybe a minute or two and and praying a prayer. It, it's it's making a commitment. It's making a commitment of desperation. God, I'm going to be desperate for you. You know, there used to be a song out that desperate for you years ago. One of the classic worship songs. I'm desperate for you. If you're in this room right now, no questions asked. You don't have to share anything. You don't have to tell anything. But as a as a indication of your faith, I want to ask you to do this right now. I don't ask you not. We don't have to huddle up real close because we still respect the wishes of our state and 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 uh, and uh, disease control and all of that. But if you right now you are feeling desperate about any manner in your life, I want you to come up here and I want us to spread ourselves out to standing. I want us to spread out across the front of this room right now because we're going to make a declaration that we are going to take our desperation and we're going to turn it into a blessing. We're going to allow it to bless our lives. We're because we are going to pursue the Lord. 
Lord Jesus Christ in our desperation. Who's going to gather up here? Who's going to join me right now? Say, Pastor, I, I got somebody. I'm desperate. I need some things to change. I need something to happen. I need something to occur in my life. And, and I don't want to make mistakes. I don't want to make some bad decisions. But I, I want to give it to God. I want Him to guide me. I want Him to lead me right now. Your stepping forward is not a means of to embarrass you. It, it's, it's really none of our business what your point of desperation is. But, but you are making a statement of faith. God, I'm stepping out and this is, this, this is my declaration that I am going to pursue you. I'm going to pursue you. I'm giving it to you right now, God. Now, those of you that are still remaining in your seats, you see who's gathered here this morning. This is what I want to, I want some people of faith. I want some people that are exercising faith to come up here and sort of scatter yourself in between some of these people. We're going to say goodbye to our social media audience now because I respect the privacy of our altar call. Thank you guys for joining us today. God bless.